So this morning I'd like to once again uh, refer to the four nutriments. Um, So material food, uh, mental volition, contact and consciousness. And we can understand material food to be any anything external that we feed on, visual, obviously, the idea of something out there that we can take in. So physical food is the most obvious example of that, but uh, anything that we feed on externally. Or the, and mental volition is this signal from the heart that gets the the uh, mind framing something up and aiming for something, and then that you know, push into that to hold on to what it's already framed up. It frames up something. There's a desirable. There's an interesting. There's something to do. There's something to make something happen with. It frames that up, and then it goes for it. Two actions there, framing up, and then going for it. Um, It's so instantaneous that we assume it's already there before we frame it up. (laughs) You know, it's there, it's hanging around, particularly with mental stuff, isn't it? All these things I've got to do. No doubt about it. They're really there, and now I've just got to go for it. And where are these things? Do you have to do snow? Do you have to do air? Do you have to do floors? Do you have to do breathing in, breathing out? All the things, you know, <laughs> that we could tune into, that something frames up to the, the do it. Yeah. How much? So how how? It's a, certainly, yeah. It's part of what's going on, or part of the potential in this field. So mental volition, the framing up, moving forward. Framing up is really about contact, which is the the third base. I've kind of put the two together there, the contact. Some there's the impact and designation, something touches, something strikes. The eye, the ear, the nose, the tongue, the body or the mind. And there's a feeling, a percept a feeling comes with that, a kind of a Resonance and then some, you know, movement, pleasant, unpleasant <clears throat> feeling, and then the perception is formed around that. These are all very immediate. And the perception brings up this object into the mind, born out of contact. And then we go for it. The, then the consciousness, the sense of the uh, externalized, the sense of an external, is that reaching out, or however we, the sense of the, the awareness opening into an external domain, uh, seeking something in, or seeking to defend itself from it, or seeking to find itself in it, seeking to belong to it. Seeking to feel comfortable in it, seeking to get it settled. Mm. That consciousness. The teaching is that that can't happen because the very action of consciousness itself is not settled. Mm. So the action of being presented as if you're in here and it's out there. You're in here, and there's a world out there that you've got to find your place in. That already can't happen. You know, we we find parking spots, (laughs) campsites, (laughs) but which require a fair amount of maintenance to keep to keep us there. The sense of just really already being here already being welcomed, being settled, is very rare. Yeah. 
and the Buddha, there's Nibbana, is the only place you really feel at home. <laughs> you know, without having to do something about it. I'm putting his, just, he may not agree with me, but uh, really, you know, just, just bear in mind, this is a thing to, you know, I'm just placing it there. Because this level is, is quite very deep, the sense of the separate self in in a, in a context around is is very deeply embedded and uh, that only dissolves at certain deep realizations. So these four foods then you can see representing something sequential about uh, you know things that are first of all quite obvious. Oh, there's the grasping at f- clinging to excitement around some material object to have or disgust with it or you know it's quite you can see that more clearly mental volition you oh yeah there i am getting you know going on again oh yeah i can see that contact much more subtle feeling activated by a sight or a sound particularly a thought thought pops into your mind activation activation Mm. consciousness quite very subtle so there's a, there's a a movement towards more and more refined realization penetration <clears throat> and so that that movement can is facilitated by qualities of steadying and calming so we can begin to relax from the strongest uh, reactions and then so on and so on and so on right through to our our do it programs can also be seen and witnessed and why don't just breathe out through that and get the feeling of that and you know so it's calming and insight even is the only real Resolution, because insight, deepening insight, begins to um, release the foundational view that it all rests upon. The foundational view: I am a separate being in a world out there. I am something substantial, solid, lasting that has to be maintained. and I can't, and also realizing this takes effort to do so, to keep it going. And there's a nagging feeling it's not going to last forever, you know. It's going to break down, realization of that. So this is the, you know, as soon as we're born into being a separate being, then we have to meet this, these um, reactions and reflexes. So the only way to really curtail that is to not be born as a separate being. <laughs> and you can do that in this life. You can, re- you know, you begin to understand the psychologies of that and possibility of releasing bits of it, the really desperately unhappy pieces of it, the, frust- the defensiveness or the uh, frustration of it or the loneliness of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah the guilt of it, the obligations of it. I've got to make it all work. You know, you begin to see some of these and release some of those through realizing, well, who's that? Who's that? It's a Sankara speaking. And uh, can we get around that? Can we breathe through that? Hmm. So we're coming to look at the very deep reflexes but there's also the recognition that the process of, of the ability to deepen to those reflexes is made possible through the ongoing enrichment <coughs> of awareness through the factors of enlightenment. Um, so, you know, just a little bit of pausing on those, the ones we can pause around. So again, you know, 
just as looking as sequential those four foods, also recognizing that our reactivity we can do something about grabbing food. Yeah. We're not completely like wild dogs, you know, <laughs> lunge into everything. We can have some sense of checking moderation, you know. So then you've got some handle on it. <laughs> you can do something about some mental volition, you know, wanting to slug somebody in the head. No, no, pause, wait, you know. <laughs> so, you, you know, you start to work on this, the stuff that you can work on. And as you do that, as you lessen some of that volitional sankara push, in that little bit of space that opens up, the enlightenment faculties start to get in there. Hmm? They start to get in there, and they then further the process, because now you're finding a, a resource that can hold you more comfortably than your volitional strategies, reactions, compulsions, fears, and, and self-sense. You know, the Dhamma holds you better than you do. You know, and not that you've done that bad, but uh, the Dhamma we do it a lot holds you better in a more completely fulfilled and relaxed way. But that Dhamma has to grow and it does again sequentially through these awakening factors and they get in as you begin to open up the little cracks and spaces for that to Dhamma to, to grow. So the story, <coughs> restraint and uh, relinquishment. Yeah. Start softly, acknowledgement, restraint, <laughs> acknowledgement, restraint, relinquishment. Mm. It's all in this particular thing. So first of all, we begin to acknowledge, oh, that isn't, that is a reaction. It's not just the way it is, it is a reaction. And it feels kind of not very nice, really, that, that grab. Looking particularly at the quality of feeding upadana as grab and drop. It feels not very nice, just that lunge, grab, drop, lunge, grab, drop. Yeah. So we might notice that around food or drink. You know, you give me a hit and slug it down and put it down to walk away, you know. Feed my face and then off, you know. So I think, oh, it doesn't feel very pleasant. Could I just do this a little more deeper tension? So mindfulness crops up. Mindfulness comes in. You know, the very fact that we're at least being mindful of eating, drinking, uh, and so on. So now the point is you acknowledge, and then with the acknowledgement, sadha, the faith that you don't have to do it this way. You could do it more fully, more mindfully. Doesn't mean you're going to change your appetites. It means just just be with it more fully. So, you know, we're not at that particular moment not annihilating craving, but just learning to moderate clinging. The grab. And as you moderate that, you know, the, the immediacy, the rush, say, into material things, feeling the energy of that and what cr runs through your nervous system with that and then just starting to you can have it but just take your time that's so restraint and then how much do you really need and you find that you tend to need less and less you know it tends to drip dip now we're looking at restraint not starvation so it's always that sense not the Buddha in these images never suggests You've got to stop all the food. Just the thorough understanding of it is what he's asking for. So as we contemplate something like uh, the movement towards the senses, the sense basis to fulfill us, it's pausing, that's mindfulness, being fully aware of that, uh, exploring it, Dhamma Vijaya. 
gets in there. How is this? How does this feel? Where does it go? Where does it take me? At the end of that, how is it? At the beginning of it, where did it arise? How was it when it was happening? Exploring that and putting your energy into that. So those three faculties, getting interested in the process of that. And the, with the deepening of the, and the enrichment of those qualities, things start to shift because we begin to enrich our interior just through that alone. The interior quality, mind, awareness, heart, becomes more enriched just through those faculties operating. And then you get, yeah, you get simple, you know, pleasure of picking a flower or eating an ice cream or something. But now it's really much because you're so much more appreciative and tuned in. You don't, you don't go for quali- quantity anymore. It's just that quality and the quality of a being able to appreciate what you're tasting, touching, seeing. So you begin to see the happiness that comes from more deep, fuller awareness, appreciation, and then the objects begin to, you know, lose their power. And that's the way it kind of goes, you know, restraint. So there's a little bit of dropping off or relinquishment comes through that. Yeah. But you have to realize this process begins with some sense of acknowledging this is not taking me to a good place and then rather than react to that lengthen your awareness over the process be mindful of that and fill up with some enlightenment factors so that there's a shift of energy and you're shifting to a more richer internal base so eventually no actually I don't that bothered with that anymore. It's not because I've had some willful effort to repudiate it. I just it, it, it's kind of dropped away. This is a very important thing to 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 experience and and enjoy. It's supposed to be enjoyable. This process. <laughs> I mean, there is a rough edge to get over. You know, the that that initiation is always tough. To, to have to think of changing one's habits. No. <laughs> so, but this is kind of just the kind of fairly soft thing. And the Buddha recognizing, you know, human beings, we are bound to pleasure. So he made no doubt, he really understood that. Absolutely. So you can't fight this reflex. What you do is you transfer it to how pleasant it is to take your time, how pleasant it is to be more appreciative, how pleasant it is to feel aware, a little more fulfilled internally, and just that shift. Then the external stuff doesn't have the same charge in it. You've, you've gained yourself, you've found yourself, in, you know, colloquially speaking. That's only, so with all the, the external senses, there's a lot of very thorough and very rich cultivation to be had around that. You can skip it. You know, it's a very important aspect because it's something you can really see it and it's out there. It's not subtle interior stuff and yet all the psychologies that occur around that. And it can be the grabbing and uh, grabbing and dropping. And sometimes there's more drop than grab, interesting enough. You know, you go, oh, I don't want that. You know, movement away. Uh, I'm not good enough for that, or don't bother, or that, that kind of movement. So, so these two movements are associated with the the, the the tides of tanha, which is the movement, you know, towards and to becoming something, and the movement away from and absenting one's a, uh, and that process itself is very uh, becomes us 
comes our patterns whereby we very strongly move into things or we kind of dither and try to move away from things or pull out and it accompanied and what that is experienced as as it becomes our self upadana becomes our self becomes either a person is very eager and confident and wants to do a lot or feels they need to do a lot and a person who feels well I can't really do very much not you know sort of best retire uh, presence and these aren't necessarily fixed doesn't mean we're with these all the time we can have these patterns running and some days in some things you move forward in some instances you find yourself moving back but what we're looking at is can we stay steady find the ground and then moderate yes I think it's time to move forward Mm -hmm. no I think it's time to back off so it's just the reflex reactivity that we want to work with not this you know the flexing of that finding appropriate mental volition it always is that matter of finding your ground here and now and then the more we're fully aware of that, mindfulness, exploring, Dhammavijaya, investigating, energizing in that, fully giving your attention, your energy to that. And at a certain point in that process, you feel clear. You feel, oh yeah, and there's a little bit of uplift. This is the beginning of what's called piti, rapture. And rapture can be of various kinds. Uh, um, very, very strong to the point it becomes difficult. We're so buoyant that we can't feel the ground like kites taking off. And people sometimes get this in meditation. Or just the sense of the pressure's off. And now instead of me dragging things along, things are lifting. Oh yeah, things are taking care of themselves. Things are lifting. It has a profound effect on one's mental volition. So piti, very fully, means the beginning to relax mental volition. <coughs> it's accompanied by a sense of trust. Things are fine, I'm welcome, I'm okay. Uh, I'm not reaching out, I'm not pulling back, I'm not falling asleep, I'm not overactivated. So the hindrances abate. We feel, you know, it's, you know things are lifting things are holding me rather than me holding all together so very broadly speaking that that's the that quality is kind of optimum really and it's the change from me doing it all the time to it's happening to me and so with happening to me occurs when we can trust, doesn't it? When we can open and trust. The mental volition. Ah, all I need to do really in terms of mental volition is tune into it. So yes, mental volition is restrained, not destroyed, but restrained, saying your mentally your fundamental mental volition that you want to stay with is pay attention. <laughs> Give attention, listen up. Yeah. There may be times when you want to push more or push less, but always you want to have the some sense of listen up, listen to this. Because these things do happen. And if our mental volition is running elsewhere, you don't even notice that you did feel for a moment, you did drop the weight and things were okay. But your reaction was to go elsewhere. Because of what becomes more uh, apparent is that there are actions which we consciously do, there are reactions which we notice, are aware of, and there are what are called underlying inclinations which we are very barely aware of. Very barely aware of. Underlying inclinations that, you know, you didn't know how you got there, suddenly you're there. How did I get over here? <laughs> How do I arrive in this place? 
there wasn't a, it was just that shift you know underlying called anutsaya <clears throat> and the root of the underlying inclination is to form a separate self so when there is some degree of release those anutsaya don't like that because they're not able to form something so then it forms something we either hold on to the release oh I had a good time then I finally got it right yes I'm doing well now that's called the latent tendency to become so we appropriate and colonize what was given to us (laughs) what didn't arise from self is taken as self that's strong and there's avijja is a anutsaya, ignorance, not noticing. And then we feel, oh, I did that. I, now I'm here, a good spot. Or, you know, the tendency towards doubt. How did I do this? How am I doing? What should I do next? That comes up. And again, we miss that open point, that opening with what should I do now? Am I at this stage or that stage? The... the the you know the the shifting and moving around of of wavering mm. views is another one. Now I'm one of these. You know, maybe actually start to adopt an ideology around that. Mm. And of course, this one happens with uh, in religions. People make an ideology out of a, a mystical experience. This is God, this is the divine will, this is this, that and the other. This is true, only this is true, I've got it. And now it's my duty to, you know, push it down your throat. (laughs) The ditty. (laughs) Uh, So, you know, we can have quite legitimate openings into something, you know, and then that, that gets structured into a viewpoint of a technique or a system or a belief or a religion or you name it, everything, really, ditti. And ditti is a very powerful, and would say, a latent tendency to form a view, to want to have a view, to have an opinion, to be right. <coughs> to have it all sorted out, parceled up, signed, sealed, delivered, right answer, got it, there you are, hand it over. There's clinging to that tendency. Now these are inclinations, tendencies. We coming back to the four foods. So you begin to develop restraint around the senses and then through what can come up with restraint, contemplating, you know, the internalizing of mindfulness and full awareness and exploration and self-respect and all these qualities, you, you know, there can be a relinquishment. Coming to mental volition, experiencing you know the the stuckness of it either we're always got our foot on the throttle or we're got a hand on the handbrake uh, trying to stop life <laughs> from happening or rushing ahead into it. it goes in all kinds of different directions the holding the steering wheel and you oh that that is that particular thing is placed as recognize this Name it, recognize it, recognize it, feel it, be mindful of that, be fully aware of that, how it feels, what's happening, who you become in that, how you see the world from that point of view, feel the feel it, perceptions and feelings, explore it. Well, where's the place where in all that 
we can just shift our balance to and where you'll find well okay where I find when I do that I come back to contact something is causing this mental volition something is tickling me something is nudging me something is nagging at me something's enticing me so therefore I'm going for it or doing something on it so we come back to contact and Contact it can be of various kinds through sights, sounds, touches, but of course what we begin to acknowledge most of it is mental contact. Memories, thoughts, impressions uh, of ourselves, of others. And so the mind door, as we can close our eyes, we can't close the mind. So you may have no eye contact, no sound contact but you're going to be having mind contact and then activation about my family, my people, my life, car, dog, politics, the world, nuclear power, you know, whatever pushes your buttons (laughs) and gets you activated in the kind of sizzling away. So, okay, Buddha has placed that piece there, contact. Okay, just recognize this. We're not disputing the topics. There's plenty of topics there to get activated around. Hmm. Not saying you shouldn't, but saying can can the activation come from clarity and enriched by qualities of enlightenment faculties rather than me. And is that possible? Interesting, isn't it? So pausing around contact, where the the signal, the alarm bell, the poke in the ribs, the tickle under the chin, wherever it's happening. Aha, <laughs> uh-huh, contact is happening. The Buddha says, well, be watchful of this one. <laughs> you feel the energy in that. And then you begin to study it, explore it. Hmm. This is, there's a lot in there. You see, now we're looking at reaction to contact. And underneath that reaction, you get the latent tendencies, which are pretty invisible. But actually, it's the latent tendencies are the real business. And you actually want to understand reaction, you want to be reactive in order to really get where that signal is coming from. So you want to experience your reactivity in this contained way so you can trace that back to what's that, where's the signal coming from? How come when I come and sit here, you know, with 30 other people, my mind goes to the one person who's bothering me? And not the 29 people who aren't. <laughs> and not the person, but just, I don't know, his breathe, sound of his breathing or something. How come? In all that array, <laughs> the one thing you get contacted by is the thing that annoys you. <laughs> you don't notice her hair, you don't notice the blanket, you don't notice the temperature. You don't notice the light. That's no particular impression there. It's just that guy takes one more sniff. I'm going to lay him out flat. You know. <laughs> you know just pause. Wait a moment. Uh, we know we're not going to do that, but <laughs> probably. <laughs> and ah, oh, what's that telling me? Latent tendency. <laughs> in there towards your will. <laughs> and you don't have, nobody has copyright on this. We all have ill will as a latent tendency. And isn't it interesting how that forms? You know, we've got a search engine that's looking for something to get annoyed by, something to feel there's a hostile influence there. Yeah, what is it? Yeah, I don't know, you know, is it the, all the kind of things, people particularly, you know, they're so heightened to that. If it's a dog snuffling around, you think it's quite cute. 
That's perception, isn't it? You think a person is supposed to be something for me. Mm. There are all kinds of latent tendencies in that. We explore that, we investigate that. What if that sound was just the machine or the raindrop or the um, little bird, you know, something pecking on the window or something? Probably just be a sound. Person, kill him. Because, of course, people are the main things as human beings as we, as we form, as tiny infants. People are the big deal for us, aren't they? People are the big deal for us. You know, mother, father, and then as you grow up, peers, friends, companions, mates, partners, and so forth, big deal. So we're looking for a lot, it's very heightened contact, sensitivity towards people. And all these anutsaya, our needs, our desires, our fears, our aversions all come pouring out <coughs> around that because this is the primary contact target for us is humans, other humans. Surely we do feed upon each other. Uh, and the Buddha is saying, well, you know, restraint we're looking at, not, you know, every, you know isolation tanks for everybody. with peepholes. <laughs> you, know, you can peep out on a good day and somebody's waving there saying, we love you, we love you. Okay, good. <laughs> so, yeah, restraint. And then contemplation. <clears throat> when you begin to feel some sense of... Uh, uh, and then the samatha process beginning to, you know, maybe first we just limit, you know, retreat particularly, you limit contact, just realizing how, you know, reactive and how much power goes behind that and contact impression. So well, let's just keep it quiet, simple, not a lot of contact, minimized, so you can really study contact. And that's the samatha principle is just pull back you know, less less sense objects to grab hold of, less interactivity to get stuff moving around. Mm. Yeah, so we come into that. Um, and then the Vipassana is really look exploring what what makes all this up. And you know, you can moderate those two. By and large I think particularly as you get into deeper and deeper levels and layers of that conditioning then you always got to realize you've got to be able to maintain your own ground in that there's no point rushing into or feeling propelled into areas of contact where you're just going to overwhelm and reactivity again and again and again it doesn't do you any good because your enlightenment factors aren't growing there so you just come back into here I am, feet on the ground, stable, breathing in, breathing out, finding a place to be with that. Mm. And you want to keep that base there because that's that's the growth tip where those faculties and particularly this uh, faculty of, of rapture of feeling a bit lighter, feeling a bit freer, start to come in and then, then you get calming the tranquility, calming. So it's really almost like deep tissue soothing the system. From Because it's, when you've learned a lot, you realize how much reactivity is there. It's like your nervous system is rattled. Uh, <laughs> so much so, it only feels normal when it's activated. You know, those patterns have become so, so, so strong that we feel normal, if, if not particularly happy, at least we feel normal, we're in a compulsive, activated state. And when you come out of it, you don't feel normal, because you, you're coming out of these, these react, reactivities create structure. You're coming out of it's like, you know, learning to stand on one leg, it feels really weird. It is weird, actually. But imagine you've been walking on all fours, like when you're a little tot, crawling around and you've got to come into two. 
And that's quite uncomfortable, isn't it? You probably don't remember it. Struggling, falling down, looking like an idiot. Thank goodness there's not much self-consciousness around at that time. Imagine doing it now, you know, crawling around and falling over. How embarrassing it would be. Let alone what your other end is doing. <laughs> but as little tots we're coming into that, you know, to realize there is, a, there is a newer form, a stronger form to come into. You're going to find that place where you feel that, you know, there's a growth point there. The growth point comes through the pasadi, uh, sorry, piti and pasadi, which is piti is the sense of feeling a little bit like you've got some surplus, feeling slightly lifted, pressure's off, and then calming, steadying, feeling more grounded and firming it up. Piti and then samadhi, firmed up. And then we can even grow. Yeah. And the... Uh, you know, equanimity, last the enlightenment factors, as one mentioned anyway, is when we're no longer reactive. You know, the reaction is now stopped. We're still present, we can still appreciate, we can still notice, but instead of being tipped into our reactions, which will always come down at the end of the day, it comes to I am, they are, it's come self view, we can stay present, open, and this is an unpleasant feeling. Mm. This is a pleasant feeling. Mm. <laughs> and uh, anicca, change, passing. Viraga, cooling down. Niroda, the cessation of these programs and patterns that throw us in. Mm. That makes sense, but... Niroda, the stopping or the resting or the ceasing of what? What's so good about ceasing anyway? Let's go and cease somewhere. Is that a good idea? <laughs> I had a great weekend ceasing. <laughs> <laughs> if that's the way you think, you've probably got a, a vibhava instinct running, which is the desire to not exist. But the Buddha said, this is not about vibhava not existing, it's about putting to rest compulsion, reactivity, programs. Yeah. Putting to rest. That, that one, the obligation program, the fear program, the inadequacy program, Oh, it's not, it doesn't get triggered. That's ceasing. And that's a ceasing. You can say, oh yeah, that we are. Yeah, I'll have one of those, definitely. That so makes sense to me as a real experience. Because, of course, when that ceases, what's left? That's the important thing. You know, equanimity, calm, inner depth. Yeah. So this is the, the movement towards, you can look at it in what we're putting aside, but also what's coming in. And what enables us to put aside is the ongoing growth of these factors. And it can be that, you know, something I was strongly reactive to, now it's just a thing. Oh, I'm cool about that. Other things I still get wired up about, so it's not like this is wall to wall, but I've got a, a, a little avenue there of noticing, yeah, there is, there is that I'm contemplating as just, well, there it is, you know. And so that, those things will then also need to be allowed to develop and, and permeate all the programs. So the Nibbana will be really permeating all, all the programs. So first what happens, you can Nibbana a little bit, you know, around some particular sense object. You can, that one can cease, the program around that, or around gratification through senses. Yeah. So yeah, if we've managed to understand 
and find freedom from that idea. And it's not just an idea, it's an inclination to feel we can be, think we can be gratified through the senses, which intellectually we know we can't, and yet the reaction is still there. What does it take to just come to a place where you can see something delicious, beautiful, and go, mm, there it is. And maybe even the feeling of it doesn't arise. Then you've nibbanaed something. You can still eat, of course. But, uh, you know, this is what we can see, nibbana, looking at pragmatically as a property, as, a, as an element in our experience. But through the process, as you, you've studied, you probably recognize the big major breakthroughs is when we're able to nibbana, first of all, the three primary fetters, uh, personality view, attachment to uh, systems and customs, and doubt, uncertainty regarding Dhamma. And that's enough. So that you get these three, or, uh, or breakthroughs, the stream entry, the, the, non, the once return, the non return, the arahant. But we'll kind of come through that, but in time. Mm-hmm. But just recognizing nibbana itself is not one hit and it's all over. It's like increments of things wearing away. The Buddha said it's like, you know, use the image of imagine a, an ocean ship, a galleon sailing ship and it's, it's beached on a beach and then gradually the rigging begins to disintegrate it doesn't happen in one day says, but over time gradually that rigging disintegrates this is the way your fetters die away they don't just all poing you know, <laughs> one fell swoop <laughs> your hindrances and fetters kind of gradually subside they're no longer pulling you out to sea the ship's beached, and gradually those those things can weigh, waste away, yeah. wear away. Another image he uses of a carpenter, or a, uh, I think it's a carpenter holding and adds, you know, a wood carving tool in his hand, and over time, the handle of the tool is molded to his hand, so the 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 tool handle itself kind of gets shaped by his hand and his hand gets shaped by the the tool. I knew a woodsman who used to work in our woods and it was exactly like that. He was working so many years in the woods. His hand and the tool, when he put that tool in his hand it just fitted like a glove. His hand had sort of shaped around that tool beautifully, you know. They just every every cell knew exactly what that tool was and it just fitted perfectly. You know, and that doesn't happen on day one. You just keep putting it there until, you know. So that sense of something becoming more fully felt and in, in embedded. So your your structure changes. Something's changed structurally. You'd find yourself not orienting around those particular bases. You know, around say you know endless dialogue about one's personality and all that monologue around it or attachment to systems and conventions, systems and customs where you want to get things right according to the right way and so on and get edgy if it's not done at this time in this particular way this system yeah. so these are definitely things we can experience the being no longer structuring in those ways. And you tend to then structure, a soft structure around the enlightenment faculties, around virtue, around calm, around loving kindness. These are the softer things, softer, more heartful experiences and the, that you find yourself forming around. So it's, so with the cessation doesn't mean, you know, extinction of any form. It means the cessation of those compulsive forms around structures that really are inadequate, incomplete, and dukkha. 
So clearly the Buddha was able to speak, talk, argue, debate, discuss, move around, eat. <laughs> and yet, you know, so it's definitely this ability to, to form into a being and yet also be able to let it dissolve. <coughs> so restra- restraint and uh, relinquishment, acknowledging. So we're just placing these terms here. You know, material food, look at all the external sense contact, mental volition, contact impressions. That's where you find you're getting activated through a sight, a sound, a thought, a memory. Hmm? And this is a big one. Can you find your ground? Can you find your stability when that triggering occurs? You go spend time doing that because the triggering is quite potent and strongly felt. Consciousness, then we'll have to leave for another day. We'll place that there. There's a footnote. Mm-hmm. How does the sense of here and here and there arise? The out there in here. Now, in a way, when the eyes open, that's more or less the default, isn't it? When you close your eyes, being in the mind, does the mind create a world of future and past? of self and others, places to go, something to be, something you haven't got yet, something you need to be now, something, you know, the movement of the mind consciousness to generate, you know, something to activate around. Let's replace that because uh, in the deepening process, if that, even that reflex becomes tuned into, acknowledged, it feels its endlessness, its unresolvedness, then restraint. And what is relinquishment? So, uh, sometimes vasaga is the term used in Anapanasati, it's patinitsaga. And nitsaga and vasaga, this particular Pali piece means something like giving up. You might say, this is why our, I've touched into the basis of devotion as a thing to tune into. So it's not giving up dumping. It's not giving up in the grab and drop way. It's not cutting off. It's what happens in devotion, truly, we open to, we we allow ourselves to open to something we never really know or grasp. We just feel the opening to and the quietening and a sense of trust uh, and any devotional moves are associated with trust and love and faith and presence and so forth, these tonalities, but these are often the the kind of the intuitions that can just help to, you know, cause the consciousness to finally stop. Let's take a break from perceptions and that becomes more possible as you work through the others. You can't rush to that, but you can at least place it there as what would that be like? Why why is it that we have such a thing as chanting and offering to Buddhas and why have I mentioned that term several times? Is it just to be nice? Is it cultural custom? Is it because there's a monk here or what? Or I think it goes much deeper than that. 
really, as a, uh, as a particular gesture of heart that perhaps somewhere we wish we could make. We wish we could do that. We should find something we could trust enough to do that with. And that something, you know, becomes sensed as you begin to realize the power of the Dhamma as an experience through the enlightenment factors. There is some sense in which you, you get the increasing quality of trust. And, you know, there's less to do. And that's, that's the way it goes, it seems to me. Anyway, just, um, <clears throat> you know, to go back to contact again, and, you know, the simple st- strategies around that, and you find there can be just pulling out of contact. It's too activated, it's no point just tipping into the same old whirling again, you know, coming back out of contact and negotiating contact, how you see something, how you touch a memory, how you make, how you touch a feeling, how you, you know, associate in your mental patterns or whatever, how that is, can you find, can you stay grounded? Can you say, can you let those enlightenment factors arise at that place? Because those are the ones that are going to do what you can't do. You can't, you can't do non-reactivity because you are the reaction. <laughs> you know, something that's involuntary can't be undone through a voluntary action because it's involuntary. Involuntary can happen if we set up the basis. So there really is a lot of uh, careful negotiation around that, rather than trying to meet, be, trying to be nicer, trying to not feel things, mm, trying to not react, just pause, be mindful, explore, don't come out of pressure. And there's just something that can arise in there that you can trust. And again, just to say in my own sense is that, that the, you know, our notional objects, say breathing in and breathing out, as a reference point, as your mind gets a little clearer and more open and more responsive to it, that, that almost becomes your home base that carries the quality of, this is something that has not been affected by my will, I don't need to control it. It happens to me. It's there, it's bright, it's doing lovely things, it's fine. And you're picking up that sense from your, your breath pattern, your, your breathing energy. Sometimes the physical energy is, is restricted or it's going faster or slower, but you know it's, it's having to struggle with excitement or panic or whatever, but the energy is there, there. And as you cultivate that, it becomes more reliable source for these enlightenment factors to crystallize around. So you want to come back to your healthy place and extend awareness over that and drink that in. So you're fully resourced to, to meet the difficult places. Mm. And that goes for all of it. If it's walking, it's walking. If it's standing, it's standing. Where where does that where does enlightenment factors even one or two of them start forming? And that's where you want to maximize. <coughs> So let's continue our practice today.
変な。